You are listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. An Emotional Week by Sari Ferry on AO3. Read it explicit. Chapter 1, Monday. Trust. Trust. Firm belief in the reliability, truth, or ability of someone or something. It was a Monday when Fox Mulder first realized he trusted her. He didn't trust many people. In fact, his mantra was, trust no one. And there were these three guys, the lone gunmen. He'd followed their work for years, and them likewise. He had read their publications and felt an affinity with their lack of trust, too. When they reached out to him to access government information, he helped. Then, they returned the favor and helped him track down a suspect on a case he was working. And so it went. He trusted these three guys. Liked them, too. There was the occasional informant. Truthfully, he couldn't say he trusted them, not entirely. Just interacted with them enough to gather information. No one else. Until... He got a new partner. Someone assigned to spy on him, or so he thought. She was the very last person he should have trusted. In actual fact, spying on Mulder probably was her assignment, if she'd read between the not-so-subtle lines. Another agent may have interpreted it that way. But Special Agent Dana Scully had the most integrity of anyone Fox Mulder had ever met. Blindingly so. That must have been why, on their very first case, he decided to tell her the truth. To tell her everything on a rainy night in Bella Fleura, Oregon. She listened. Asked questions. Didn't reject what he was saying. From that very first case, she showed him enthusiasm, and she challenged him. It was thrilling. To spar so passionately with an intellectual equal... To not be either dismissed or fawned over. This, this was something new. And he loved it. She had an unparalleled intelligence and work ethic, and her skill set complemented his perfectly, for the work he'd been doing, his life's work. It was only their second case together that she proved herself to him. She wasn't trying to, she was just being herself, doing what she did and the way she did it. He'd been a jerk and ditched her, and she'd rescued him, he gotten captured on a military base and was missing to Scully. So she found him. Broke a couple of fucking laws in the process. He loved it when someone's integrity didn't mean they followed the law, stuck to the rules. It meant doing the right thing. And her right thing was to find him. Bring him home. He knew he trusted her then. He trusted her with his life. Chapter 2. Tuesday. Jealousy. Jealousy. Feeling or showing an envious resentment of someone or their achievements, possessions, or perceived advantages. It was a Tuesday when Dana Scully realized what she was feeling was jealousy. She liked Mulder. He was intelligent, sensitive, funny, and passionate. So passionate. About his work. They hadn't been partnered a year and had been on less than a dozen cases together, but their work was intense and had literally taken them to the ends of the earth together. As much time as they'd spent in each other's company, their relationship was professional. That's not to say they hadn't discussed personal things. They had. Up until this point, though, they'd never had a conversation about past intimate relationships. It shouldn't have come as a shock to Scully that Mulder had a romantic past. However, when his past came in the form of a beautiful, leggy Brit, whose sense of humor included fooling the agents into believing they were about to be blown to kingdom come, Scully could be forgiven for being shocked being pissed off even. The jealousy came falling down on her like a ton of bricks when said Brit pushed herself and her pillowy lips into Mulder in front of her. It stunned Scully. 
the feeling, the intensity of it. It would take her many more years, and numerous other situations bearing witness to Mulder's encounters with other women, before she realized that there was never any cause for jealousy. Because from the moment she stepped into his basement office, their fate was sealed. She was his perfect opposite, his perfect person. There would never be anyone other than her for him. She didn't know this yet. Scully came to understand that, in the past, Phoebe had hurt Mulder. He wouldn't play the audio tape she had left behind for him in an act of self-preservation. Scully had to work through and confront where her jealousy had come from, what it meant. It wouldn't become altogether clear to her for a long while. What was crystal clear to her now, though, was that she hated seeing Mulder get hurt, that she cared for him, and that it frightened her just how much. Chapter 3. Wednesday. Love. Love. A feeling of strong or constant affection for a person. It was a Wednesday when Fox Mulder realized that he loved Dana Scully. Although he didn't immediately dash out into the rain, run over to her apartment with flowers in hand, and a look in his eye that told her he would spill all the secrets of his heart to her. No, he didn't do that. He couldn't. Because she was gone. And all that he had left of her was her voice. Her terrified voice, calling out his name, haunting his answering machine. That and the piece of jewelry that had adorned her delicate neck, every day since the day they met, hanging heavy around his neck now, his repentance that he'd failed her, her reminder of a god he didn't believe in. But if he did, he might certainly now ask, why? It evoked something within his heart, the person he cared about most in the world, that he now knew he loved most in the world, being stolen away from him. He put himself at the center of this, too. Taken from him, he wandered around in a haze for months, swapping between anger and wretched sorrow, could only a muster strength for Maggie. Promised to find her, knowing a needle hiding away in a barn as big as Washington, D.C. would be a simpler project. Helplessness swallowed him whole. He managed to work, pretended he wasn't slipping away too. Wandered lost, couldn't sleep. Fucked a vampire, hoping she'd take the thoughts away even for a moment. But he only thought of her, what would it have been like to kiss her lips, to push his tongue into her pretty mouth? Kiss her milky skin, to taste her, know her? He'll never know, and he hates himself. Hates himself that he was hard inside someone else, thinking of her when she was probably dead. He makes promises to himself never to open his heart again. This hurts too much. He didn't want to love again, not like this. Didn't want the pain of losing someone again like he lost Samantha. He didn't ask for it, but she crept in, silently, confounded him. Then, when she came back to him, was alive again, his elation soon after turned to fear. He tried hard to push it away, to rid himself of the love he had for her, the love he was now all too aware of. But it wasn't just love, not just that warm, blanket, fuzzy feeling. He was in, in love, madly, and he didn't know how to get out and he was fucking terrified. Chapter 4. Thursday. Hate. Hate. To feel intense dislike for. It was a Thursday when Dana Scully recognized the feeling boiling inside her towards Fox Mulder was hate. There had been an unusual intensity in their cases as of late, an intensity to them. A pull between them as a result of almost back-to-back -back cases where either Mulder rescued Scully or Scully rescued Mulder, physically or emotionally. 
Things felt raw and personal, like every line between her work and private life had been rubbed together and smudged into an irreversible blur. No distinction. She needed that distinction back. When Mulder left to take forced holiday and in no uncertain terms told her what to do, she arced up. She felt the familiar stranglehold of control, so very reminiscent of her father. Her father and a too few many older lovers. She'd had enough. She meant to have the strength of her convictions, to stick to her no. She didn't, and some hate crept in. She did as he'd asked. It turned out she was right. A waste of her time, and some hate crept in. He didn't appreciate her being there. He was pissed off she hadn't uncovered what he'd expected. Brought her abilities into question, mocked her about having to rush off a phone call, and some hate crept in. She drew a new line, a clear line, and stepped over it into a crummy bar with a perfect stranger. She felt him begin to fall away as her personal life easily spilled from her in the form of conversation. She felt desired. For a moment, she felt free. Free to choose, to let go. It was as intoxicating as the clear liquid mixing with the slowly melting ice in the tumbler she was poking at with her straw. She marked her body, a permanent reminder to her that she could defy. Every tiny prick moving her further from herself, from Mulder's scully, to where? She didn't know, just away. She gave herself over to the pain. She liked it. She was on all fours on a stranger's bed, Distant lightning strobing through his window, illuminating her pale flesh, punctuating his thrusts. He was being too gentle, and so she had to help herself. He was there too, Mulder, always there a little, either in body or in her mind. Not an imagined replacement for the dick inside of her, no, he was sitting in the chair in the corner of the room, watching. She wanted him to watch. To watch as Ed gently undressed her as he exposed her breasts when he unclasped her bra, to watch as she moaned when he took a nipple in his mouth and squeezed her other breast, to watch as he crawled her way, naked up to the bed, beckoning this other man with a seductive look over her shoulder, one of the few expressions left that she knew Mulder had never seen, to watch as she moved her own hand between her legs and rubbed herself, a practiced, familiar pattern. The idea of him as a witness to her wanton desire was infinitely more arousing than the handsome, toned man behind her, grasping her hips and shoving himself inside of her. She looked at the empty chair as she came. After, he was angry. So fucking angry. Afforded her no sympathy. Didn't reach out for her hand in the hospital bed. Not this time. He made it all about him. Anyone proximate to Mulder, their tragedy he'd cling to like a life raft. He so used to the sensation, perhaps he'd sink without it. No compassion, only something bordering on disdain. She hated him for teasing her, for not comforting her, for not being the soft place she needed to fall right now. Because worse than her injuries, worse than the helplessness a woman feels when she's violated by a man, she thinks she knows a secret, a secret that might kill her. She hates him because she needs him. She knows this too. She hates him because she loves him and that just makes her hate herself. Chapter 5. Friday. Joy. Joy. A feeling of great pleasure and happiness. It was a Friday night, nearly turned Saturday morning, when Fox Mulder experienced the joy of knowing his partner completely. He'd never had fun during sex before. It was always moody or heady, angry or an apology, or lustful. Or maybe because he had something to prove. 
He now knew that Dana Scully giggled during sex. She talked, and she was playful. She was all of herself, the Scully he knew. Just more. She'd found him on the street earlier that day, looking for her. Took him home and, unusually, made him tea. He sensed a different energy to her, an openness, a willingness to respond to him. She spoke of her past, of a man, a choice. Provoked the weight of the possible enormity of them on the couch, together caught in a moment in time. He questioned what it might mean as she lulled to sleep beside him. She put her arms around his neck an hour later when he carried her to his bed to sleep. She didn't let go of him. Whispered to him she was ready to make another choice, then kissed him tenderly. Pushed her mouth to his, still cradled in his arms, ran her tongue between his lips. Elicited a whimper from him and chuckled lovingly as his response. He laid her on the bed, himself beside, and kissed her back. Tongues tentatively explored, then entwined, as plump lips slipped over pouty ones. He always knew there was a well beneath her ordered exterior, though her desire, he incorrectly thought, might be as hard to come by as her vulnerability. On occasion, he would tug at her vulnerable side, pull at it until she reluctantly revealed herself. He imagined this too would be the same, she finding the exposure too revealing. He was wrong. This. This was the same as when she was passionate about her work, a paper she was writing or an argument she was winning. She'd made up her mind and was entirely there, all naked and willing and throaty laugh. They did laugh, both of them, when they were naked, laughed at the absurdity of it, their bodies finally together, so strange that they knew each other so well and still did not know each other this way. She grinned when she kissed him and he laughed. I can't kiss you when you're smiling so much, he teased. She said sorry and grinned even wider and then laughed into his mouth. She was soft, despite her toned physique, so soft, soft and smooth and beautiful. He marveled, asked her if her breasts had been there the whole time, just a few thin layers of fabric from him. She laughed a yes as his mouth wrapped around her nipple. His hand cupped her breast while she straddled him as he sat up against the headboard. She ran her fingers through his hair while he sucked and nipped and licked at her. She grinned and teased him, remembering and telling him all the time she knew he had an erection in her presence, added that she wanted to do this every time, reaching down and running her hand firmly along his length. She let out a humored breath from beneath him as her eyes drew together in greeting, said, I'm worried you won't fit. He kissed the pout from her lips and promised to go slow, and they kissed once more as he gently pulsed himself into her. In a mix of breath and laughter and quivering voice told him he felt amazing, and before long she was telling him harder and faster. She held his neck and looked at him when she came. Moments later, when he followed, she engulfed him with her mouth. Then she told him she loved him so much. He said he loved her too, had for so long now. She cried, and he looked concerned, so she touched his cheek to reassure him and said, I'm happy. She explained that she'd told the man from her past that she didn't know what she had when he asked about her life, then added, I do know now, Mulder. It's you. I have you, and I'm so happy. They lay awake and talked and laughed, smiled till their faces hurt, relived every moment of their lovemaking, how it felt and looked and tasted, talked of what next. No monsters encroached, no dead or missing sisters, no dead fathers or killing diseases, just passion and what curled their toes and all the places they planned to christen and futures and them, finally just them.
said all the things they'd caught on their tongues, said out loud between kisses and caresses, between looks and promises. They fell asleep, entangled, and woke up and made love again. This time slow, with no words, their eyes held in conversation. She stroked his hair until she fell back to sleep, snuck out in yesterday's clothes to pack a bag and return, to spend the weekend together, plotting their lives from there. She'd told him the night before, all sleepy on his lounge, that she didn't say her whole life changed in the two days he'd been away. But in the few hours since, it had. Both of theirs had. And now there was joy. Chapter 6. Saturday. Numb. Numb. Deprive of feelings or responsiveness. It was a Saturday when Dana Scully stopped crying, when there was nothing left to feel except numb. The scientist in her told her that bad and good things outside of her control were random events. Nothing to give examination to, no way to prevent or conjure them, no reason to give ownership to them. She didn't believe in curses, she didn't indulge in self-pity, she was pragmatic, but things began to build up. All the things done to her or taken away, her father, herself along with her ova, and her memories returned only to almost have her life switched off. The numerous killers who took her, not managing to steal her last breath, but took little pieces of her faith in humanity instead, her sister, and then she supposed Charlie. They'd fought, he'd screamed at her, blamed her for Melissa's murder and hadn't spoken to her or her mom or Bill who defended her since. Her cancer, the strange piece of metal that saved her, only to draw her places to burn, Emily, oh dear God, Emily, given but for a moment only to be taken away too, and now, Mulder, stolen from her, from the face of the earth entirely, it seemed, and just in case she wanted to scream at the unfairness of it all, a gift dropped into her lap, or rather her uterus, a perverse twist. Now you have the one thing you said you never knew you always wanted. Stop fucking complaining about everything else. But she couldn't enjoy what was growing inside her. Was even scared to hope that a little piece of him was now there with her, because what if he wasn't? With him gone from her, she now knew the reason she could cope, could live, could breathe, with all the losses and terrors before, was him. Him beside her. A pitiful paradox sunk into her that his absence meant she couldn't cope with his absence. No joy for the baby, because grief and sorrow and devastation slithered in two. No respite from the pain. No molder. No hopes. No dreams anymore. It was too much. So Dana Scully stopped feeling. Stopped feeling anything but numb. Chapter 7. Sunday. Hope. Hope. To look forward to with desire and confidence. It was a rainy Sunday night in an unremarkable motor inn in New Mexico when Fox Mulder and Dana Scully fell asleep in each other's arms with hope in their hearts. Dante himself would have to agree that they both been through hell, two solitary hells, their separation part of their torture. They were together again now, their future anything but certain. It had never been more uncertain for them, for the entire human race. There was some certainty, though. They both knew that they loved one another, and that they'd missed each other so much. Missed so much. They'd been on the run for days, catching sleep when the other drove, 
surviving on gas station food and adrenaline. A last-minute decision to stop. Scully needed a shower, to sleep in a bed. Wasn't practiced at running as Mulder was. The second he clicked the room shut, he spun and grabbed her, wrapped both his hands around her face and brought her lips to his. His hips lurched forward, banging into her abdomen. She grabbed his waist, held him there. He forced his tongue deep into her mouth, and she opened wide for him, swirled her tongue around his, licked him. He told her, fuck, baby, I missed you, and it melted her. She had so many things to say, to ask, to question, to try to explain. But at that moment with him, there were no questions or answers, or space or time, just them, climbing back into each other. He walked her backward over to the bed, and she protested, told him she needed a shower first, hadn't in days. He insisted, no, he'd missed her smell and her taste too long, he didn't want it washed away. She had no chance to protest, as she was on her back on the bed, her pants somewhere on the floor, his tongue inside of her. She tasted the same, fucking hell she tasted the same, he didn't know why, but he needed her to taste the same. He moaned, and she remembered him. They clasped hands as he made her come with his lips and his tongue, in a fever recalled what curled her toes and made her pray his name. She stripped him then, pushed his face on the bed, straddled him and touched him all over, kissed the nape of his neck, bit him there, dragged her hands every place while her arousal dripped between his cheeks. She spread her wetness over toned muscles, down between them, pressure pushing down. He moved beneath her. She teased and cupped him, drew his hips up, reached under, held his stiffness, stroked and then pumped her hand, used her slickness to pump and to press, push in, stimulate inside of him, pressed and pulled and licked his sweat, filled him and controlled him until their breathing was a unified frenzy. They loved each other so fiercely from the dawn, so fast and deep it blinded them, frightened them, halted a natural evolution, so intimacy waited till twilight. Hardly had but starved before they were ripped apart. Their journey never reached this far, new topography still being mapped with kisses and fingers and tongues. They'd never loved like this before, raw and desperate and furious. Never had it matched more perfectly the love they shared. Time needed making up for, and they were. He told her to stop, in a fervor, rolled over underneath her, steadied her hips and thrust up beneath her. She gasped and her head fell back. She steadied, then charged and bucked and cried, held his shoulders, pressed nails into his flesh, sounding out her pleasure, pulsing a rhythm into him, letting lost time fall off her with every beat. He lifted off her all at once, breaking out of her haze. For a moment, until he faced her down on the bed, grabbed her hips and tilted her pelvis, lay all the way over her and, embracing her from behind, so much skin on slippery skin, hot breaths and whispered I love yous and I missed yous and never agains, and kisses and tears and love and love and love. She tilted her hips and took him deeper, his arms wrapped her up, ending in busy hands pinching at tight pink flesh, on her breast and between her legs. She was hot and full and blanketed and loved and safe, and he ignited her with relief in an explosion, while he pumped and pumped and pumped until he burst into her. They lay there, in heat and wetness and bonelessness and love, a tangle of limbs and lips and pasts and futures. He bathed her after. There's a bath, she'd asked, her face alight, and he chuckled and told her he'd asked for one specifically. 
thought then maybe they would make it wherever they were going if these little things pleased her so. He washed her skin, lathered and rubbed, and touched her everywhere again, making small waves in the tub, tiny ripples at first until she peeked sloshes through the water. He helped her out and dried her off, wrapped her in a robe and laid her down, dressed to go out and get food but stayed and talked instead. A reflection of the first time he told her the truth, on the floor in the bed, a pain in his heart, she to soothe him and let him believe, his perfect person, there again, still perfect, and his. They spoke about men and invasions and what was to come or be or become of them, and settled on wanting the same thing, decided maybe there was hope. Then they both lay down and slept, not saying what they both knew, that their real hope was the person wrapped up in their arms. If you like this story, please follow the link to the writer's page and leave some love. Kudos, comments, or subscribe. They'll love hearing from you. Then you can head over to our Patreon page and contribute to Audio Fanfic Podcast. As a member, you are granted early access to one new story per month. That's www.patreon.com slash audiofanficpod. Thank you for listening, and remember, the stories are out there.